Hi everyone, just a short note. In part of this episode, Chris talks about the illness and death of a young boy called George. In sharing George's story, Chris would like to draw attention to the charity that is very close to George's mum's heart, Together for Short Lives, which exists to make it possible for young people with terminal illnesses to die at home. Please see the show notes for a link to togetherforshortlives.org. Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. I mean, I edit for the purposes of my ranting and like rambling on... <laughs> But I'm like, stop talking, you, Lisa. You might find a bit about me uh, in that respect. I'm quite good at going around the houses, so... Uh... <laughs> it's all good, it's all good. Well, Chris Tolley, this is just a joy to be doing this on a Tuesday morning. What a delight. Thank you so much for joining me on The Bro and the Brave. Oh, thanks for having me, Lisa. It's a total pleasure. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll unveil the... I'll take the audience behind the curtain. I am in my cupboard, so I've not been in here for a wee while in the Brave Cave. I've even got the sign up behind me. And you're at home yeah. in East Lothian. That's right, yeah. But by the magic of the internet and all that jazz, we're back here doing a thing, which um, which I'm I'm delighted about because we were just saying there uh, as we kind of started recording that, you know, as much as these kind of things were set up during the pandemic when we couldn't be together, um, and as much as it is lovely to be in the room and I hope to meet you one day in real life, it is nice that we can just connect like this. And we connected over the internet. We did. And actually, I don't know if I told you this, but it was a, a former interviewee of yours who followed me on Instagram. And his name is Alan, pianist. I knew you were going to say Alan. I knew you were going to say that. I, I had an inkling that he would be following you anyway. And I was listen- actually, funnily enough, listened to his episode last night, just as I was kind of... Uh chilling out and lovely guy lovely conversation yes. but also like it made me laugh like they're sort of talking about the, his wee tunes and all this kind of stuff and I was like mate they don't call them wee tunes they're beautiful you know it's I know I know totally I, I, I said that myself like and just what I you know an amazing thing for him to to transition from the kind of music that he was doing and gigging and that's how I obviously you'll you'll have heard in the episode that he was supporting Jason Isbell and we saw him on tour and I followed him and then I had messaged him to say about the feather, well, uh, and yes, and the feather that appeared on stage when he was doing a song for his friend, and just it's just the world works in mysterious ways, and that's like doing this podcast. I realise like how lucky I'm, like because this thing I make goes out in the world, and then people respond to it. You know, you get to meet new people, you hear new stories, and I guess that's the same for you. Like you put your music out, so I, as a composer, as someone who makes music and puts it out into the world, you then don't have any uh, you have some sort of control obviously but you don't have any control of how people respond to that and the people that are listening and what it means to them absolutely it's some of the messages i get from people so so i to, to sort of full uh, disclosure is that i write i'm a classical in terms of recorded music i'm a classical yes. pianist and i write for tv music and stuff I write for tv shows and things like that and advertising but lately it's been a lot of um 
piano music have just released an album and and it's all quite calming stuff so that all started during lockdown as if we want to talk about lockdown too much but yeah. i didn't have any work because everything else had fallen off the edge of a cliff like everybody else so i sat and i just thought Do you know what i just need a bit of time at the piano keep your skills set up all that kind of stuff and this album just appeared and it was called fun funnily enough it's called home which is the same as alan's album um and I don't want to be talking about him too much because we we've never met, and and he'll think, "What's well, this guy talking about me too much? He knows too much." Um, <laughs> but so I wrote this album, and it went really well, and you know, people picked it up. Classic FM picked it up, Radio Three, and all that kind of stuff. But the the response from the I'm going to say public, which is quite a grand term for it, but you know, from people who listen to it, messages on Instagram saying, "Your music saved me today," and I, I don't know why or from what. But I'm quite happy to be that That's guy, beautiful. you know, and people listen. To, and if you look on Spotify, on people, you know, I get added to thousands, literally thousands of playlists um, that people have either, it's either, um, you know, Spotify curated ones or it's people have made them themselves. And almost 100% have words like meditation, sleep, relax, coffee, kind mm. of that sort of chill stuff. And I'm just, I've been pigeonholed into this mental health pocket and part of me thinks right oh, right come on who's commissioning me to do a love scene nobody or who's commissioning me to mm-hmm. do a fight scene nobody but i'm being asked to write all this music that people are finding mindful yeah so much solace and that's that's where i'm pretty happy to be sat at the moment well i was going to say the world's on fire and if you're creating something that people find comfort in wow like that what a superpower it's great and i had this amazing sort of very sad thing happened when I I wrote my I wrote an album my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2019 uh, sorry 2018 and she's still doing really really well and she's all great that's and, great I'm so glad to hear that I sat and I wrote so I you know my my big thing my big sort of mantra is mental health and music and both in the writing of it and in the response to it as you know you probably just gathered from what I said so I wrote mum's album as a bit of therapy kind of during the period of between if anybody's had the word cancer in their lives they'll understand that the the period between the diagnosis and the prognosis is is a couple of weeks of absolute abject hell because you don't know what's happening so I sat and I wrote this album well I didn't write an album I, I sat and I wrote these kind of just pieces of music that uh, just to pass the time and it, it really helped in this sort of mindful way and eventually the sort of the bones of an album formed and mum said to me she I said it to mum she listened to me we were all coming out of the woods a little bit and everything was going to be reasonably okay and she said look you should release this people can understand what that period is like and also yeah. understand that they're not alone and and then my publisher at the time said yeah that's a great idea let's do it so I released it and then I was really lucky with it like a herald named it as one of their albums of the year in 2019 but anyway that's that's uh, by the by at the same time an old mate of mine claire was going through absolute hell because her son george had been diagnosed with a terminal illness called batten's disease and batten's disease causes dementia in children it's just this unbelievably cruel thing and just around about the time that i was kind of clattering on about it on my album on social media george was going through the point at which he was losing his ability to communicate. It's the kind of the last period of his life. And 
she I didn't find this out till about six months after he died, but she put on the title track from my album Beneath the Surface and they had it on in their kitchen and he engaged with it in a way that he hadn't done for weeks or months. And so much so that they had it, you know, as an anthem in their household. But then she messaged me just as she was coming out of the kind of the darkness a little bit. And she said that they played it at his funeral. And I thought, oh my God, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing to talk about even now. Of course. And it's like, what, what a, a compliment, what an honor, what a, a beautifully bittersweet kind of memory for them to have. And so they, so, so that was that and, and had it. And Claire and I kind of reconnected a little bit. All this was via social media. We were at uni together. We hadn't seen each other mm. since 2004. And turns out that she's a big fan of this kind of music generally. And, and so then I got, I signed a new, the new record label. I delivered them an album and they said, look, can we have another couple of tracks? We want it to be a 12 track album instead of a 10. So I thought, okay, right, fine. And then I had the brainwave and I was having a chat with Claire and I said, look, can I write something for George? And she went, oh, that'd be amazing. Like a sort of little kind of tribute. And so I did it. And it's beautiful. I was listening to it this morning. Oh, thanks. So, so I kind of quoted beneath the surface on it. I sent it to her and I didn't hear back for like, four or five days and I thought oh no like what have I done what 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 have I trodden on you know you, you just can't understand what it's so delicate isn't she's it? going through. it's so delicate anyway I heard back from her a few days later with this text message just full of heart emojis and and all these beautiful things and I was like okay this is going to be all right and I read it and it was like proper thousand worder kind of thing and she just said I love it because she was going through a period she was going at at that point she was going through a period where she was in a in a pretty dark space because it was the anniversary of of i think people grieving have all sorts of different anniversaries just to kind of make sense of things or try and make sense of all of it and it was the anniversary of something or other something pretty unpleasant and it brought her listening listening to it brought her out of it it brought her back to the present and and it made her, she said to me, she said it made her inexplicably exhale. And I just sat there and I thought, I remember reading it, I was in the car park at Tesco and I just sat there and I just sobbed and I was like, this is, it's such a powerful thing yeah, that yes. I get to do. And like, I'm, look, this isn't a Messiah thing, right? I'm not, I'm not sort of saying I'm here to heal everybody. It's the, gen- this story is, a, is the general effect of music and, and particularly a bias because I've been a pianist since like the age of six but I think kind of this sort of piano music is almost a bit like the new rock and roll because we actually say the world is on fire and people are finding new ways like whether it be cold water swimming cold baths whether you know all the meditation and things and, and, and music is such a massive part of it and, mm. you, and you sit there and you listen to it and you write it frankly and you feel brilliant uh-huh. I mean I can't imagine having that superpower I'm so jealous of anyone who can play an instrument so you know so proficiently and and it's something that you can just take to when you need that solace you know that you can just sit down at the piano and the rest of the world goes away or that you can get into a headspace where you can you know create something that for yourself you know or with others in mind but then you know has these amazing effects and I wonder like because you know predominantly your work is in tv and film and we'll, we'll get on to that but I wonder like creating this music because it was very personal to you you know you know, 
when you were going through that with your mum and then creating the music in memory of George, like, is that a newfound experience where people are responding the way they are because it isn't something you've created for a TV programme or an advert or it is something more personal? Does it feel different to you? Massively. It's, mm. So before all of that started, there's a real two different sides of my career. Before Mum's album, call it Mum's album. I bet she loves that. <laughs> she, she does. I'm sure she, she does love it. Um, <laughs> but I was writing kind of orchestral music and I was writing for documentaries and things like that. And, and then the Mum's thing, I just found myself exploring techniques to kind of write with ambient ambient sounds and and it was like a pro like so it was the the before it was a fitting music into a picture and and making it sing in a in a different sort of way whereas I haven't done that for a while uh, it's mm. a, certainly in terms of documentaries or whatever because the the the, the recorded music is the release music has taken over so much but it is like sit, sitting there so mum's album was different because it was a, it was right it was right in the middle of of this awful period of 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 um lots of contemplation and and what if and and fear frankly so that was a different kind of kettle of fish but the the actual two piano albums i've written equals this recent one and and, and home is the one i wrote during lockdown that was different because it was me sat there as a means to relax and just kind of pour everything out into it. So equal, I decided to sit down and improvise. So I wanted each track to be a guy sitting at the piano, hitting record and off we go. Let's see what happens. So, you know, this isn't absolute brilliance here. There are 30 or 40, <laughs> not very good pieces of music that exist, but there are 12 that I sat down and I just thought, right, let's have a little think. And what do I want to talk about? So for example, there's, there's some quite sad stuff on there. So there's a track on there called Grace, which is about inspired by, I got home from a friend of mine's mum's funeral and my friend had read a poem at the funeral and she stuttered a little bit at the beginning, but then she absolutely nailed it. And it was this thing of absolute beauty. It's tribute to her mum. And you know, when you're nervous with somebody, and then you're like, I don't have to worry about it now. I've, you've got yeah. this. And I thought that was just so graceful. So I wrote this track called Grace. And so sit down, hit record. And three minutes later, the track's finished. If it's worked, then there might be some swearing right, in, in between when the stuff <laughs> like, doesn't let's work. Not, let's not put it the behind the scenes album. <laughs> I used to work with a record producer in uh, in London. He used to have this turn of phrase. He'd stop the orchestra. And be like, right, once more with talent. Okay. Just really blunt. Kind <laughs> of, no messing. <laughs> you guys aren't very good in that take. So it's kind of like that. <laughs> like, Chris, I love it. <laughs> that's brilliant. So that's what this album is. It's all improvisations and um That's tremendous though. But I'm just thinking like obviously there's really there'll be really distinct stories attached to some, if not all, of your music or or moments of it that have been inspired by things that have happened to you or things that you you know have happened to people that you know. Whereas when it goes out into the world, if you haven't, you know, expressed those stories, unless you've been on a podcast called The Brown the Brave, mm -hmm. it's then what people attached to that music, you know, they'll maybe look at the title of the song and go, right, okay, and then they'll listen to it and then they imagine all these different scenarios that they've been through or going through and I think it's just fascinating, like, it would be amazing to do some sort of documentary where they got people to listen to your music and then they tell the stories that come to mind for them like how cool would that be where you got to like 
a window into their world through your music. I'd love it. I, you know, I think I, I feel like the story about George and his mum, as sad as that is, ultimately that's got music has spun that in a positive way. I'm yeah. careful of using the word positive because there really no, isn't anything course, positive no. about that. But, you know, you think about I sat down to write for my own mental health. I sat down and I wrote that track beneath the surface. Claire played it to George for their mental health, and for his mental health. And then I wrote for George and Claire loves it because it helps with her mental health. And that right there is a little example of that full circle effect of music. And that's not just me. It's just my, you know, there's, there's so much of, of I mean, stuff I listen to. Mm, where you just sit and, you, and a big thing of mine is I, I love listening to music where you, and it's something I try and apply to my own music is you sit down and you, and you close your eyes and then there's nothing in that music that makes you want to open them. So there's nothing shocking. There's no, yes. big, you know what I mean? And, and it has its place. And, and, and you know, there's other, and I listen to a lot of music, but they're the kind of really relaxing music. Um, you know, the guy, Max Richter, the brilliant composer, he wrote a whole album, eight hours of an album called Sleep for people to literally sleep to. And the, and the premiere of it was in like the Albert Hall or something. And like 8,000 people just went to the Albert Hall to sleep. It's amazing. And I listened to I listened to that album. I stuck it on when it was released. I put it on in the car, and I swear to you, I don't remember getting home. So I don't listen to it when you're driving. <laughs> public service announcement. Oh, that's I just I think I find it fascinating. Music aside, like just creativity in general. When someone is brave enough to put their thing out in the world for other people to digest, because it is your baby and. In essence, when you make something, you're like, you've taken care of it and you've crafted it and there's so much of you in it. And then it goes out to the world and it lives its own life. And you're like, oh, be careful, watch that. <laughs> Do you mean, like... yeah. But the joy is that, and I guess because of the world that we live in now with the internet and social media, that you do get to hear these stories, these things, come, you know, they come back to you to tell you where they've been your songs you know and, and the adventures they've been on because people will let you know how much it means to them your music and I think that's just so special and I wonder was this always the plan that you were going to compose music you were going to be a composer because as someone who's playing piano from six years old I'm guessing that like music was just really important in your life from an early age it, yeah it was never inevitable I've done other jobs it was I mean it was it's for sure music from the age of six was the obsession and I, I kind of quit before that I used to I used to instead of reading books in bed as a 10 year old I used to sit and read Mozart scores you know these little round glasses <laughs> I'm feeling that we're making a movie of your life because I'm just saying like you're giving us all, all uh, the visions <laughs> it's all very carefully prepared yeah, there's you know you can you can make it sound interesting when you when you when you sat talking for an hour about a 42 year old life so uh, I um so music was kind of was the the obsession uh I was lucky at school and things I had music scholarships and scholarships at uni and but you say um, lucky but obviously it was a natural talent and ability oh sure but but I was lucky that people saw it and 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 I, and I had parents who were you know who were really really encouraging and it was always it was always something to be done because I loved it there was mm. never okay CJ my parents called me CJ you know you've got to practice four hours a day because you go to the royal college of music kind of thing there was never that and then i had a, a there was a director of music at my school who who i just didn't get on with 
and so I rejected it all at like 15 when you're at that age when yes. if you reject something then you really really reject it you know and then I was interested in all the fun stuff that you do as a as a teenager and then I grew up so I rejected the whole conservatoire route that was all gone that whole concert pianist thing was all gone and that's a that's a lucky thing because I'm not I'm not good enough pianist to be a concert pianist i'm a decent enough pianist but i'm you know this is this is not virtuosic stuff that i that i play and write and then i went to uni to study ancient history at st andrews because that's you know try and do something more middle class um and then they gave me a they, they i was really like i got to kind of halfway through first year and i was you know a bit more as i say grown up and I thought, oh, what am I doing? Mm. And I went to speak to them in the music department and they and they auditioned me for another scholarship. And then I got that one and, and worked and worked. And then in my third year, I went to America for a, for a you know, um, summer abroad sort of thing, working in a summer camp, teaching music. And I met this guy who was a jazz pianist. And I thought, and I'd never given anything else the time of day until then, until the age 21, because I was just so in love with, you know classical music and I listened to this guy play and I watched him play and he taught me a few things about improvisation and their sort of jazz theory and things and I thought oh my god this is so cool so I went back to went back to uni with a kind of new spring in my step and I spoke to them in the music department and this is I can't believe I'm about to use the word scholarship again (laughs) but I gave me another scholarship to study jazz, to convert from classical piano to jazz piano. So they had this conversion scholarship where you could convert from one instrument to another. And they deemed it appropriate that classical piano was a different instrument to jazz. So I played jazz for a bit and I, and I, I kind of, you know, tailed off and, and ended up going to London to work and, and things Mm -hmm. like that. So I sort of have, have have half a skill set of being able to play bits of jazz, but that really helps with me as a, as a writer uh, because there's different, you know, different techniques and things, and I play the bagpipes as well, so that helps. You play the bagpipes. Um, yeah, you say that as though you sort of like you, you posh English. No. I'm from, I'm Scottish. I know you're Scottish, <laughs> but I just like anybody who plays the bagpipes. I'm like that is tremendous. Like that looks like one of the hardest instruments to play, and obviously it's one of the noisiest. So I'm like anybody who endures like learning how to play well, the bagpipes. Like I did not know this about you. <laughs> it's a hard thing to learn. But it's all about, it's not about having massive lungs or strength and that kind of helps and things, but it's about coordination. And I'm, I'm pointing at the microphone as I'm saying this because I feel so strongly about it, is the most beautiful, if played badly, it's horrific, okay? It's like the violin. Yes. But if played well, there is almost no more pure and beautiful sound in existence and and i had this argument with all my old music mates in in the west end of london they used to hear me listening to bagpipe music and they'd be like what are you doing like why aren't you listening to something else and the when the queen died there was a queen's funeral and i'm still in touch with all these guys and i got three or four messages from them after that piper played the lament right at the end and he walked out into the court and i've got shivers just thinking about it and they and i got three or four messages saying you're right yeah i mean i mean please don't take that i I love the bagpipes like i'm a huge fan like i mean as someone who worked for a scottish dance company for six years like i'm a big fan of the bagpipes but like i'm so i'm always impressed like when 
people can play any instrument, but especially the bagpipes, because I always think that looks so difficult. And uh, yeah, like it doesn't always sound that good until you get it right. <laughs> no, it's it's it, but when it's done properly, I'm going to say properly. Yes. When it's done really well, it's yes. um it's absolutely stunning. It's just that nostalgic thing and like you know pride for for being Scottish and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I totally buy it. So I, I didn't mean to come across like, you play the bagpipes. No, 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 you like, didn't. I did not know this about you. <laughs> just another talent to add to your list. Chris. So a lot of people, a lot of people assume I'm English. You know, I've had, I've had an accent kind of educated out of me, you know, sort of beaten out of you by private school, I guess. Um, but I, and actually the more and more we get into this podcast, Speaking to you, who's obviously got this oh, lovely lilto. I'm, I'm going to turn you back. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a couple of pints. Not it's nine o'clock. It's not. That, it's not happening that. But you know, with my mates from Glasgow, I'll be like, all right, pal, how are you going? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like so. Obviously, music music was important in your family. Like for you to even be sent to piano lessons, I'm assuming. Like, did your parents play? No, dad's a surgeon. Oh, wow. um, my mum's a nurse. Both of them retired. Goodness. No, it wasn't. It was important to them in that they loved listening to it. And actually, dad, so dad used to listen to classical music while he was working. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of surgeons do that. If you want to bring it back around to, mm. to you know, kind of mental health, I think it's, it's, um, it's help, helps the focus and all that kind of thing. But so no, like they used to listen to, to, I mean, it was really, I remember when in 93, that would have been 12 classic FM started. And so mum put it on in the car and we'd all listen to it and things. And actually really, what's really nice is that you fast forward however many years and I'd be like texting mum and dad saying, when you're doing classic events, that's really cool. But there's so many full circles for you. eh? Like this is a kind of common theme. Well, I think about it a lot. I think, I think it's possibly sort of my, my general kind of philosophy is, is inadvertently is around that kind of thinking. Um, you know, I'm really lucky that I used to listen to classic FM. And actually, there's a, there's a bit in the middle of it where my career really started was I started off writing adverts for classic FM. So I worked in a piano shop. I moved back to Scotland from London, worked in the West End of London and um, West End shows and things. What, playing in West End shows? No, 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 managing the music. So I worked for a, a production company. Um, so I used to, to look after all the music. I used to play for rehearsals and um, used to... Um, edit all the song books that got published and things like oh. that um but then kind of got done in with like, i was never really a londoner i was always always had a yearning i had to be there because it was mm-hmm. career and then we moved back here just kind of burnt out um and i got this job working for yamaha selling these really demonstrating these really posh pianos it was amazing like somebody walk in and you sit and play rack man and off and 30 grand later they'd be have a new piano kind of thing um but I, they, they wanted to do an advert for Classic FM and I sort of said, can I have a shot of that, please? I've already been writing. I'd written the music for my wife to walk down the aisle to and stuff. Hey, wait a minute. Hold the bus. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. How beautiful is that? Totally won it over, I'm sure, with the, with the fact that you could play the piano, but how special is that? That's so cool. I did, actually. I, I managed to, I was going to say, I managed to pull her. <laughs> I'm... I wooed her. Yes. <laughs> playing the piano <laughs> at uni. Um, and when we were getting married, we were talking about music. And I was obviously kind of a focus on, on mm-hmm. music being really important. And I was like, I, this, none of this really cuts it. I don't want to have this samey, samey, samey stuff. I want to 
write you something. And Anna said, all right, give it a shot. I'll see. <laughs> and, uh, and I did. And <laughs> well, the first thing I ever wrote, we talk about for George, you know, being the track, I wrote for Anna. Um, and so, and it was for bagpipe and organ. Aww. And so I walked in, and actually there's a funny side of it, because obviously I knew, you know, she'd heard the rehearsals, I knew the rehearsals, but the, the piper got the wrong, the wrong cue. So I started playing and then got to the bit where I knew that she would be standing next to me and she wasn't there. And so like, stop, stop. Going, hang on a minute. Where Not is again. she? <laughs> and then it stopped and I was like, okay, is there a problem here? And apparently she'd been outside running across the grave graveyard and, you know, holding a, hoisting a dress up saying, they started without me. <laughs> so they played it again. And then, so she arrived and it was all lovely. So that, so yeah, so that was when I really first started writing. So, so when you asked me about whether I was always going to be a composer, the answer is no, I didn't start writing full time till 2000. And, well, I got married in 2009 mm-hmm. and then I was kind of doodling around writing bits and pieces. And then I wrote that. Um, so, so I put my hand up to write, um, this 30 second advert for classic FM and they said, yeah, all right. So I did it. And then I started writing more and more. And then you start seeing these little magical things called royalties. And I thought, hang on, that's possible that I yeah. can do this, you know, cause it you know, paid up front and it's a slow burner. You know, you know, it's not like going into banking. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, you've got to, you've got to have support and you know, I was lucky that Anna was able to do that. So, so that, so that's really how it started. So it's all down and, to Anna, is what you're saying. Anna, we're putting this out in the podcast. It's all down to you. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, let's be. Yeah, I think that's probably fair to say that she had a little bit of a part in it. I think she did. I think she did. She was the inspiration, at least, for you to 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 create beautiful music. And yeah, I wonder, like, that transition of like, you're saying it's a slow burner. So there, there wasn't necessarily a realization of like this is what I'm going to be doing now. This is my job. It's just, it kind of over time happened that you transition into this world where you write music for a living. Yeah. I think, I think if I come back to that moment of, of, um, of sort of horror with mum, that's when it all really, I was this kind of middling composer where I was writing, you know, scores, almost people who wanted music as a necessary evil. I was writing this music for for people, um, for productions, and it's kind of there in the background, whereas now it's it's very much in the foreground. If I've written for, um, so last year I did some stuff for Top Gear and Ooh. there was like a car chase. So it's one of the few times I get asked to write kind of big bombastic yeah. kind of film trailer music. And there was this kind of car, fake car chase scene. So, so I did all of that. And that's very much in the foreground. And a lot of the advertising stuff I do now as well is... Um, I, I work a lot in America and, and they will come to me and they say, look, we've got this um, pharmaceuticals company. They need some music for an advert that's going to help people buy this product that's going to do such and such. Um, and it's all, you know, it's all, all to make money. Uh, and I've kind of gone around the houses with that in, in terms of the way that I've just described it to you. But but it's 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 very much now people are playing my music to listen to it or for it to be a big part of something. And yeah, I'm just really pleased that that could be the case. You know, you're saying that, that necessarily necessary evil and obviously it's a different process for you when you're writing something that you, you want to write because, you know, it's a personal experience and you write your own, your own music and your own albums. But can you imagine those adverts 
in those programmes without music? No, like they'd be terrible. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like mu your music will add so much to these things, even if it feels like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to feel emotional about an advert about pharmaceuticals necessarily, but it's so important. Exactly. Like if you listen to, if you watch any David Attenborough documentary. Exactly. There's a brilliant one. There was it, the Planet Earth 2. Mm -hmm. And there's this amazingly, this famous scene. I always use it as a, an anecdote of people are talking to me about music and picture is it's a Hans Zimmer score. And there's a scene where an iguana is being chased by those snakes that come out from yes. underneath the sand. Exactly. Right? The scene. It's, and it's terrifying. Uh -huh. Edge your seat stuff. Press mute. And it's not. Huh. Try it. And you listen to the music and it's like, Oh my God. And you can listen to the music as a standalone thing. And you're like, Oh my God, please stop. You know, it's, it's it, it, having watched it. It's so it is. It's really important, and I'm trying to, you know, trying to think of examples of, of, of things that I've done when sort of music's really. I've good a, a nice one is I did this this video of, of East Lothian. So some a filmmaker was making a, an aerial film during lockdown, of, the beautiful sights of East Lothian, and he said to me, "Can we have a track?" So I licensed this this track to him, and actually, funny enough, it was the track that that, that I wrote, that George loved. So they had this track and I had people saying on you know, social media saying, my God, I feel like I've just been on holiday. So it was this perfect combination of the visual and the audio where people were feeling really fed up because they hadn't seen much more than their back gate for months. And, and so that, you know, that, that, that sort of effect is, is lovely. And actually, even though, you know, you talk about the advertising work and it's, that isn't music for a necessary evil. I kind of confused you there. Mm. You know, I get sent briefs from guys in, like yesterday I was writing for a, a company in Miami and, and, you know, it's a really, really intricate structure the way there's a minute long advert where the, you know, in this case, they're trying to sell, in fact, I shouldn't say what they're trying to sell, but they're, try, they're trying to sell something. And the first 30 seconds is, is calm, 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 telling the story, telling the story, telling the story. And then bang, 30 seconds in is the call to action sort of, Right, let's make these people get off off of their seats and buy it. Yes. <laughs> and that's quite, it's pretty cynical, you know, in the, what, what that represents is trying to sell a product. It's not me that's trying to sell a product. I'm just trying to earn money from it. <laughs> so it's doing your job. <laughs> so it does, it does have a massive impact. Of it's, course. You know, it's, there, yeah. it's there as much more than the necessary evil. But Will you get sent that footage then as it's going to be? Actually, in this case, no. Alright, because I would have just imagine you would have it in front of you to then react to it. Most of the time, yes. Um, okay. So let's pretend that is the case for this one, and yeah, so they would send the footage, and then you watch the foot. I watch the footage, and you pick out your little points that might be somebody standing up, you know, something seemingly innocuous or some. Yeah, totally. And you just bring it up without taking over from it, and you become part of. The whole thing is an ensemble. You know, it's not, it's at no point so that should somebody ever be going, oh my God, listen to that music. Oh, hang on a minute. What, sorry, what am I trying to watch here? You know, it's, so you've got to find your, your balance with it. And that's a really fun thing to do because it's a, it's a, it's a little puzzle. Hi. Every time you get it, you look at it and you think, and actually every time I get sent an email with a brief, I sit there and I have a quick five minutes of pure panic. <laughs> I can't do my job. And it's just <laughs> you sort of do look this? at it, and and you're just like, All right, what am I going to do here? And obviously, because because of because with these are relationships, they're not going to send me, Chris. Can you write a hip hop track? 
because I can't, uh, and, and nor would I would I ever dream of it, of attempting to do it. But they send me the appropriate material. They send me kind of piano yes. to orchestral and everything in between. So they're like, you can do this. And you're like, I got it. <laughs> yeah, well, it is that. But I think that's, that five minutes. that's just part of the process. I think uh-huh. you sit, because because you're, because you I'm writing, you know, you probably like this with choreography. Is, I was thinking the exact same thing when you were talking. <laughs> really was. Before you choreograph a scene or, or, or whatever, that has never existed before. That ensemble totally. has never existed before. So it's quite a, it's quite a thing to say to people you should buy my music because it's worth something and there's a there's a a way of doing that without sounding arrogant but you're right like uh ah and i I just think it would be fascinating to be in the room to see you working with the intricacies and like the you know the deliberation over every minute decision because i know what I do when I'm choreographing something and I could be in the room with the people that are in the scene and still be going that's no right or do you know I mean so obviously some of the a lot of the work gets done prior to going in the room yeah but sometimes it doesn't and it's just reactive and it's pulling on stuff that there depends what it is but I know like the things that I will deliberate over and I'm not creating stuff for tv or film I'm talking about you know not, not to downplay the work that I mean, but it might be something in a school or it might be something for an amateur group. It doesn't matter what it is. I create I take the same care over it. Like it's important all these decisions and you're like, oh it doesn't matter who cares. I'm like, I care. Like it matters to me that every decision was the right decision because I had a thought process that went into it. And I just think it would be fascinating to be in the room with you doing it because yeah, there's so much attention to detail. There is. It's the it's the um it's the balance between doing that improvisation stuff, you know, the piano, which is, frankly isn't attention to detail, really. It's all gut instinct. And and doing the pernickety stuff, where you, you know, work where you've got to slot stuff into a picture. But actually, you, like, you talked, talked, you did talk yourself down. You're talking about schools and amateur groups and things. And, you know, with full disclosure, I used to work for a company that was owned by Andrew Lloyd Webber. So we were producing West End shows like, you know, um, fans for the opera, Evita, Joseph, and all that kind of stuff. And I used to go every now and then to go and watch amateur productions of things, you know, grown-up amateur production things of things that have been licensed. Yes. I used to get sent just to to make sure everything was all right. And it's yes. and, and not not by the composer, by by you know people within the the the, the, the rights department. And you go and watch these shows, and they'd be sat there just going, "That's." absolutely astonishing because these people are doing it it's not their job they're not earning any money from it yeah. and they've got four nights to go give it absolute the absolute bean totally no i mean i i said it in that sense because i didn't want to downplay you know saying schools and amateur groups because i've got so much love and that has been so much of my work over the last nearly 20 years is working in schools and amateur groups and i'm so thankful and and knowing the productions that we put on you know, the, the, this particular group that I'm thinking of just now, like, they are tremendous. Do you know what I mean? And, like, the people put their heart and soul and there's so much energy. I mean, it's professional level. It just happens to be with people that are not doing it as their job. Um, So I, I consider myself very, very lucky to, to make these shows with these people as much as, you know, when I work in more professional spaces where it is actors you know doing it for a living it it doesn't it's not different for me it really isn't because the same effort and energy goes into creating this thing that hopefully people will enjoy 
and and they all enjoy doing it as well. Do you know what I mean? Like it's the whole thing. And I guess for you, you need to be, you need to find the joy for yourself as well because as much as like, you're working to a brief and you have to nail the the, the job, you, you obviously love what you do. So it's just finding the pockets of joy for yourself. Yeah, it's you know this is not being a lawyer in the city or you know or a surgeon in an th- operating theatre. You know this is what the repressions and things. And you know I I. I'm not trying to downplay it because there are real pressures and you can find yourself because I work a lot with LA and New York, you find yourself working very, very late sometimes mm. as many people do, but it is ultimately is you started with nothing and then you finished with something that didn't exist four hours ago and you sit back and I always sit back and I'm a bit like when it's been signed off, <laughs> not before. I'm like, all right, mate, you've done all right with that. Yeah, it's important to acknowledge that as well because I think in our industry, like you know, in the arts and, and or just being a freelancer, I think and and working for yourself, you're always like thinking of the next thing, so you don't really necessarily take the time to be like, I made a thing and nobody died and somebody liked it and do you know what I mean? Like I think sometimes you can be guilty of just like jump like what's next and try to find the work or the next thing that you need to think about and I think it is important to take stock of like that was a process and it all worked out and everybody enjoyed it and everybody likes it and everybody's happy. Great. Do you know what I mean? I think that's important. Well, I, I mean, I've got this thing where, where there's quite a routine where I, I, you know, around all the sort of stresses that have been over the last few years, I, I got really into running. And so if I finish a piece of work, the, in five minutes after that's finished and sent, I'm in my running stuff and off. Oh, I like this routine. I mean, I'm like, I'm so impressed by you. Like, you're playing the bagpipes, playing the piano, you're running, like all the things that I just carry do. I was going to say this. You know, this is a, a a podcast where you're interviewing me, so I'm not going to pull out all the bad things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just very impressed with you. But um, yeah, that's nice that you've got that routine for yourself or that like ritual. And I guess you'll find, like, I asked you before we started recording, like, what did you have for your breakfast? And you're like, I'm not a breakfast person. And I'm like, you know, there'll be things that you need to do in your day. I think that discipline as well, like working from home and working on your own, and you kind of do need to get into some sort of routine that, you know, works for you, that's going to make you the most productive you can be. Absolutely. Uh, And, you know, I was just saying, you know, I go out for a run, you know, an hour long run or whatever. And for most of that run, I'm going, how the hell did I do that? Like, what? how did I get to that point where that's worked? Because, it, you know, you sort of think, and that's what I really love about my job is that you you sit and, you, and you're writing. And, and, and once you've got the bones of what you're doing in terms of where you've got to hit your cues and, and all the tempos are mapped to where you've got to do it, you actually kind of hit autopilot in a sense. And you're solving these problems and you're, and, you're, and you're thinking, okay, well, that clarinet's a little bit, no, an oboe works better, all that kind of stuff. But you're doing that all silently and pretty quickly. And then, you know, you finish it off and it's a bit of a whirlwind and you're just like, whew, yeah, that was, uh, that was a bit mental. It's amazing. And do you get opportunity for your music to be played live very often? Almost never, no. It's the way that way that comp- modern composers work now. It's all it's all very very, um, as you'd imagine, technologically brilliant. So the orchestral, I use things called sample samples. So so, and I'll try and do it quickly because it is pretty techy. But a, a, a guy with a violin will go into Abbey Road Studios and play a note one hundred and fifth. In fact, another story, the Albert Hall organ, you know, massive beauty of a of a of a, of a 
instrument. This is a perfect way to explain it. Somebody went into the Albert Hall and recorded 40,000 examples of how that organ can be played. So all the stops being pulled out and things like that. And then stuck it on a hard drive. And so guys like me, guys and girls like me, can buy that. And on my computer, I've got the Royal Albert Hall organ. And that's the same of any instrument. So these people, there's massive companies who, who, mad, who create it? this. It is amazing. So you can have, and so you can have an orchestra ah. playing in that amazing acoustic at Abbey Road on your computer. That's bananas. So I've not quite hit the stage where somebody's saying to me, "Right, write this. We're going to go and record it in Abbey Road." That's the next step. I could like quite like that. That'd be pretty terrifying. You know, get the photograph of walking across the zebra crossing. And, Kind of stuff. Oh yes, Chris. Put that out there. Put thoughts become things. Put it out in the universe. Absolutely. Yeah. Um so no, I don't I don't um do any live recording. I mean there might be the occasion where you, you you've written something and you think actually I just want a live violin on top of that. Mm. And then you've got that whole thing that happened during lockdown where everybody's everything's done remotely. So you hire a violin player who's doing it in a flat in Belgrade and then off you go and they send it back and you stick it in and and that's it but it's amazing though that you know you have that at your disposal like you you know you're sitting in front of your setup your computer you know piano whatever it is and and you can create this amazing music and it does have umpteen instruments and and it has been a real life person that has played it and now you're creating this amazing music with it like it's mind-blowing like how cool is that like we're you know for all that the world is on fire and all the rest of it, like we are in such a privileged position that technology uh, you know has grown arms and legs even in like such a short period of time like i just think over my lifetime like what we've got at our fingertips now is tremendous you know and that you can continue to work and make beautiful music from your home <laughs> it's exactly it's all of that but it's also that it's the so it's having the technology and by the way, what's also brilliant is, you know, being a, a musician is all those musicians who make those samples get paid royalties. Correct. It's so it's not, for them. Yeah. It's, uh-huh. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing. It's keeping it alive. And, but it's, it's, it's all of, the, you know, we talked about the, 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 you know, being able to talk to you like this sort of way, but it's my ability to work all around the world, particularly with America, sat in a, in a house in a studio in East Lothian. Uh, and I, I talk, they're talking to these guys and building these relationships with people. I've got this amazing guy in New York. He's called Joey. Of course he is. Like he's, he's the coolest guy I've ever seen. He's got these little Harry Potter glasses and, but, you know, can pull them off. If I tried to wear Harry Potter glasses, I'd look like Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> and like he signs all of his emails. Instead of putting kind regards, he just says peace. Oh, you know, it's like Joey. <laughs> so cool. but, but he and I will be on like a FaceTime. It'll be like one o'clock on a friday there and this is what happened one o'clock on a friday there and six o'clock here mm-hmm. and he's like hey man right that's all signed off great i'm not gonna do the accent that's all signed off great well done what are you up to this weekend and i <laughs> and i said to, oh, this is true i said funnily enough funnily enough jerry it's my cricket club's 50th anniversary dinner this evening and he just went in this real lovely drawl he just went man that is the most british thing anybody's ever said to me and I loved it. Like, it was just Sandy talking. And it was at that point I just realised that like he doesn't even really know what cricket is. <laughs> but that's, the, that's kind of the point being is that we're just two massively different people where we've been connected in this way that wouldn't ever have happened without me flying to New York. And we've built this lovely relationship and he trusts me to work on whatever he's got 
you know, that's appropriate for me. And and he signs all his emails, peace. Totally cool. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, you pinch yourself working on so- just doing something you love. You clearly love it. You're clearly passionate about it. And it's these kind of moments, I think, that you go, do you know what? I'm dead lucky. You know that word luck? And I always kind of berate people for saying it because I'm like, you're not lucky. Like, you're, you've worked really hard and you're really good. But there is an element of luck because there's so many talented people in the world and so many people that should be doing stuff that they love and their circumstances don't allow for it for whatever reason. And I think it is important to, like, just check yourself. Like, sometimes, like, you know, lift your head above the parapet to go, do you know what? Like, this is really cool that I get to do this and I get to interact with these people. And I do get emails for Joey saying peace because that's your story. That's the stuff that when it's all said and done, like these are experiences that some people just only get to imagine. Exactly. It's, it's, it is a, it really is a, a, a be grateful every day. I mean, there can be frustrations with it. Because there can be fallow periods where you're just not getting, you're not hitting the mark. Because because if I if I get sent a a brief, I'm not guaranteed that I learn from that. So I'll do all the writing, okay. and then had one in November, finished it off, all signed off, brilliant, and the budget was pulled from it. These kinds of things, and I, 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 it sounds really sort of negative, bringing it back. No, but, but it's just the reality. That's right. I don't want to create an image of I'm sat wearing gold chains and and driving a Lamborghini. Well, I can't actually see you just now, so I, for all we know. Chris. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I took them off, stop all the jangling. Um, but, you know, it is, it, it, it's while it's amazing to be able to, to do it, and when it works, it works brilliantly, and you're yes. just like, wow, that's, this, this is really cool. There could be points at which you're just like, I'm going to stop. That's, I've had enough. I'm going to go and deliver parcels or something. Um, and I think that's a part of that is the creative temperament, if I'm honest. You know, there's a kind of throw your toys out the pram sort of thing. Yeah. But, but by and large, it's, it's, I'm pretty glass half full. You know, it's, it is great. And it's actually, you know, my, my, my kids are just starting to, kids are seven and three. So my eldest is just kind of getting hooked into learning the piano. He's got a great oh. piano teacher. I started teaching him and then decided that this was not, appropriate like it was just I was getting irritated and I did the same thing with guitar my dad was teaching me and then he was like you need to go to lessons <laughs> yeah well it, I, it's making him understand that this is for fun yes he doesn't know that this because he just sees me for all of his life he's seen that his dad is a working musician composer mm-hmm. so it's that's I mean the sort of major and he's quite proficient at it as well and is sort of making sure that he's like, okay, I'm just doing this for fun. And I've managed uh-huh. to kind of sort of nail that into him. But it's like a skill for life, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, with somebody who, if there's a piano at a party, you can, you know, start a song. You can bring everybody together. Like, I think it's such a super power, like, to be able to play an instrument like that. You know, it's just, I think it's really cool that you're obviously in a position that you can do that for him because that's something he's always going to have. It's it's it is lovely. It's also nice in a in a kind of community way as well. We live in this village, and um, I got a message from the local minister just before Christmas. My son is mates with her son. I was in Edinburgh, and she said we've got carols in this church tonight, but the um, the pianist's dad has just died. Can you help? And I was like, well, what? I said, no. So I turned up at this carol service thinking, right, I'm going to give it the big beans, Mr. Pianist playing, used to be a West End rehearsal pianist. 
And I sat down to play these Christmas carols because I because I write music. I don't read music anymore. Yes. I was like, to play Silent Night. I sat there and I was like, I can't, I can't read this. I can't, I, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, and I sat there and I thought, you know, from having gone in the beginning of it, the big I am, I sat there for an hour and you've never seen a guy concentrate more on just trying <laughs> to enter the data entry, enter the notes onto this piano. But it, so it was fine. And I'd laugh about it and things. And it was probably, it was, it was probably fine. Um, but that's helping, you know, that was music. That's serving. Healthy serving a serving a a, a a community that was a really oh, nice thing to do and the universe just reminding you like pulling you oh, back do you, down and i was like okay uh, after christmas i'm gonna sit and i'm gonna practice and so sit i'm gonna morning. practice my hymns and i'm gonna practice my christmas <laughs> yeah. yeah it's not really my bag hymns but you know it's things <laughs> like like just making sure and then that's a skill sight reading is essentially what it is yeah. which i used to do every day and now i need to pick that back up again but i just think it's um I, I think it's amazing that you have crafted and curated this role for yourself this world where you get to make music that you know impacts people's lives and in, in all different manners of ways you know and the music that you're creating for yourself that you're putting out into the world your albums and the inspiration behind that you know to transition in that is phenomenal i'm sorry that you had to go through that obviously with your mum for you to to do that but you know what it's created for you is this space where you get to make music for you exactly and thank you and it really is that it's not the sob story it's obviously you know there's challenging stuff around it you know the stories but ultimately the thing that has been the savior around all these things is music mm. and that's that's just an it's just an amazing thing this is you know music made as i've said time and again this music is made from nothing it doesn't it starts off it doesn't exist and then you can make this this music that help helps people and you know i'm you pinch yourself every day that you get to do that i think is mm. is my thing and i'll never ever take it for granted no you can tell how passionate you are about it and the, the stories and the you know the admiration for the music that people have shown it really means something to you are, are you constantly then composing for yourself are you just you know do you take that time to purposely to sit down and just create music and, and then see where it goes not really it's not it's the time it's the time really it's uh, most of the time I'm writing for somebody else but I yeah. signed with this new record label based in Hamburg so I, I, I said to you on the phone I, I write for I write for everybody in every country, but for Scotland, I don't, I don't yeah, do that's, much that's, in Scotland that's at all. fascinating, isn't it? How they, these things work out the way that they go. Yeah. Like, I was saying to you, I don't really work close to home. I'm all, I mean, I don't work abroad, but, you know, I'm always driving somewhere. I'm never working in my hometown. And it's just funny how these things It is. I, I'm trying you know, talk about New Year's resolutions. I want to change that a little bit. But my so my label are based in, in Hamburg and they, when they signed me, they signed me for two albums. So I've done the first one. So they've got the, the option for the next one. That's amazing, Chris. Well done. That's tremendous. Oh, thanks very much. But but what that means is that I um I will have a period where I'm writing the next album and you're given carte blanche, you know, write what you want in a in a certain style, you know, it's not mm. not gonna let you know get me writing kind of trance music or something, but um but so there will be a point this year where I get to write the next one. 
so yeah, you know, the answer to that question is yes, I will have time. I'll have kind of a, a six week block or whatever, just to sit and write and write and write. And that's a lovely release. Mm. And is there like, is there a bucket list or for want of a better phrase, like stuff that you're like, that'd be cool if I got to do that. I mean, like that, the Abbey Road thing, like, you know, getting to hear a full orchestra play your piece or is there something that you're like, that'd be cool if that happened? Yeah, I think it, I mean, the Abbey Road thing is representative of film. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I. Are you a big film fan? Not really. I'm a big film music fan. Yes. Um, I don't watch that many films i think you get to the point of an evening where you just are quite fun i actually sit and i listen to a lot of podcasts and mm-hmm. um so i listen to a lot of soundtracks and things as kind of just keep my toe in the water yeah. but i would like to do something big you know across the pond um yeah. that's got to be the ambition because if that's aiming right for the top isn't it and if you don't do that then what's the point Absolutely. um but i do i mean i i, I do like I just want to reach more people. I'm lucky that I've, you know, millions and millions of, of streams and things, but more and more, not from a greed point of view, but from a connection connection and just have, it's, it's ultimately is it's just this amazingly powerful sensation knowing that all these people are sat there listening to your music not necessarily knowing who I am, but it might be on a playlist somewhere and somebody's just, it's just kind of skipped on for the next song. And some guy somewhere is, is or woman somewhere is just sat there and kind of blissing out to you. But that's the thing, like, you know, more adventures, like your music's going to take you on the, the stuff that you've already created and is out in the world. You just don't know, like you might get a message after this podcast. You just don't know what's going to happen, but also for the music that's yet to come, the music that you've yet to, to write. Yeah, it's cool. I'm just looking forward to seeing what's now. It's all settled again after after COVID because my industry got decimated because oh. music is the last thing people look for, you know. And, and so when TV's not working and advertising to a degree wasn't really working, um, you know, it's sort of all back, very much back, and it's mm-hmm. thriving again. But you know what? That that enabled me to write that album called Home, which changed my life. I love your music. It's beautiful. I'm so glad I've got it in my life now. I'm so glad Thank that we've made this connection. And um, you know, I'm going to be chilly in you from <laughs> from now on. You're in the Brave clan, you see, Chris. So there's no hey. escape. <laughs> Do you need me to write you a bagpipe piece? Listen, listen. Hold that thought. There'll be a time. <laughs> like Chris. <laughs> yeah. But um, I wonder before I'd quickly because you're a very busy, important person, so I don't want to <laughs> hold you any longer. Um, but before we jump onto the hangamajigs, which are random questions that I like to ask my guests oh before they leave, um, I did write on, you know, I concoct a little bit of a, just bullet points, bullet points rather, before I speak to someone. And um, I really look at them, but I've just glanced down and I wonder, I think anyone listening to this who is a creative and they might be, you know, a budding composer or they might be in another field, but what would your advice be not to that person but maybe to your younger self about your career now looking back what would your advice be to your younger self uh you just gotta look forward you just gotta look forward you just gotta keep going because you're gonna get it's like acting 90 percent of your auditions you're not gonna get and it's soul destroying and if you keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going for a period of time because it's not for everybody 
there's a point at which people, you know, just with the world, are just going to have to do something else and do it on the side. But give it a damn good shot and give it everything. That's what I would say to my. That's what I did. But I was a bit older. I was a bit older, so I could, you know, have the gumption to do that. But yeah, it's like testament to your your passion for it. Do you know what I mean it just shows you that you've made this happen because you love it so much? And like, despite all, you know, yes, there's lots of lovely moments and lots of you know, privilege attached to being able to do something you love. But like you see, you know, it's hardworking graft and knockbacks and. But, um, but it sounds to me that you know the the good outweighs the bad for sure. It does, and it's it's also about having an incredibly thick skin. In somebody, something doesn't go your way. You write for a brief, and you see what the budget is, and the budget's like you know, big big stuff, and you're up against three other composers, so you know you've got a one in four chance of getting it. And then it's difficult to not spend that money in your mind, and then you don't get it, and then you just move on. You just move on. You delete the email and you just go next. And, um, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm excited to know what's next for you for sure. I'll be watching and chilling you on for sure. Um, I'm totally delighted that you've been able to come on the Brown the Brave, and I'm, I'm I'm hopeful that we meet in real life one day for sure. But, That'd be um, amazing. The hangamajigs are just random questions that I've collated over the years, like of doing the podcast. There's like seventy odds, but I just select not in advance for each guest. A few, if you don't mind indulging me, I'll try. But your answers today. Um. Okay. Here's one. Favourite childhood meal? Sausages, beans and chips. Yes! My 40th birthday, Anna said to me, what do you want to eat? Do you want like something amazing? Like, you know, some sort of cocker van or whatever. And I said, can I just have sausages, beans and chips? She went, yeah. Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right off the bat there. You didn't even need to think about it. Love it. No. <laughs> um, if you had one extra hour of free time a day, how would you use it? Ooh, so I think it would be doing something really, really chilling. I wouldn't go as far as meditating because I don't do that that sort of thing. But an hour just sat in a room, just that, because it's busy. uh, You know, life gets busy. You've got two kids, yada yada yada. So yeah, just an hour, maybe a walk, something selfishly, just for me. Love it, love it. I hope you find that. uh... At some point. <laughs> if you could duet with anyone, who would it be? And that could be duetting on the piano. You could oh, be duet. singing. I thought you said. What did you think I said? Do it. You could do it with <laughs> Do it. <laughs> um, oh. Oh, that's just such a... You've opened a can of massive can of worms. So my lifelong obsession has been with the composer Rachmaninoff, um, who is very dead now. So he wrote these amazing piano concertos. To duet with him would be a bit difficult because of he. I mean, he was a virtuoso compo- uh, pianist before he was a composer. But I can listen to his work on repeat. And it makes me tick and it makes me cry and it makes me happy and it, all these things. So I guess, I don't know if it would be duet, but it might be have a coffee or a pint with. Like that. Um, because he would take me to pieces on the piano. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, if not him, then I'm guessing duet, like, you know, somebody like either Cassidy or somebody, that would be pretty special, yeah, that, wouldn't it? That would be special. And the question that I ask everyone, because it's called The Bro and the Brave, is... 
What is your favourite Scots word or phrase? Oh, crikey. I like a wee bit. Oh, that's nice. A wee bitty. A wee bitty. I don't, I don't, wee comes up every so often, but yeah, I think you're in the Hall of Fame there for saying a wee bitty. I don't think I've just said that. Okay, let's stick with that so one. So we can stick with that one. Chris Dolly, this has been an absolute pleasure. I can't thank you enough. Thanks for having me. It's been so lovely. It's a, such a nice start to a Tuesday morning. Just I having know, a... isn't it? It's just fabulous. A blather. There we go. A blather. A blather. Exactly. Exactly. And um, <laughs> I really, uh, honestly, wish you all the success, continued success. And um, I, I hope that, um, yeah, just whatever you do, it's still filled with joy because it sounds like you're just so passionate about what you do and you do it so brilliantly. So, and um, I'll be enjoying your music from now oh, on for sure. You. Thank you very much. It's just been lovely, lovely chat. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Braw and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.